this week's episode of the Limehouse podcast, we have Grace Brown from the Garden Court Chambers. Why the government would introduce a policy like that, well, the, the, the government might well say it's responding to public um, opinion, this is what the public want, but a policy like the hostile environment is one that is short-sighted, one that lacks sufficient um, insight into the pers- people and persons that it, that it is uh, affecting. So wherever you are, enjoy this episode of the Limehouse podcast. Your liberal speakeasy. Margarita y estás escuchando Limehouse Podcast. This is Paddy Ashdan and you're listening to the Limehouse Podcast. What a good name that is. Hello, this is Nick Clegg and you're listening to the Limehouse Podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Because I'm not persuaded by the case for war. This is what positive politics so how have you been how have you been doing i'm okay it's it's a it's a funny old game this one this week's it's been it's it's been up and down i took an amazing trip to see grace brown from the garden court chambers so that they're um a, a group of, of lawyers that represents uh, human human rights violations basically who represent the, the, the people that have um, fallen through the cracks, I suppose, of society as well. And most importantly, I think, obviously, because of Windrush, we, uh, I travelled there to, to speak to Grace, and it was, a, it's a, it's, it was an amazing conversation. She's a really lovely, humble human being who's been fighting miscarriages of justice, rather, for a very long time, like 20-odd years and I learned some things by by in this conversation, as you're you're about to hear. And I got quite heated, got quite passionate as well, as as you as you as you well imagine. You know, you know what I'm like. And uh, yeah, so you'll love it. You'll really get something from it. And I don't know how you have been getting on this week, and whether or not you've had your head turned by Windrush. I hope you have. I hope you've been able to. Uh, influence some of your friends. I don't know. Maybe go out there and have a chat with them about it, and maybe we get informed on it yourself i probably are you're probably more informed than i am i mean heck you know go listen to david lammy what a legend yeah so it's been it's been a brutal week for for all of us for all of us brits frankly i want to try and stay on top of this one on top of it because i feel that we're entering to an era where everything kind of gets swept under the carpet because of brexit and and that would be it would be mind mind blowing if, if we managed to let this one slip away. So yeah, hopefully you can stay on top of that and and keep it relevant, keep it in your lives, keep checking back on it and be active, get involved. And anyway, so um, what, how, yeah, other than that, how have you been this week? Uh, you listened to last week's episode, I wonder what you thought, uh, Stephen Kinnock, did you, did you enjoy? I hope you did. I, I, I haven't listened back to it because that would be weird after editing it to listen back to it again but yeah it's um 
I, I hope you enjoyed it. And if you if you want to share any of of your thoughts on that episode, you you know where to do it. It's uh, you can do it on Twitter at Limehouse Pod, and and also you can email this show on uh, the Limehouse Podcast at Gmail dot com. And next week is looking a bit sparse. So we may not have, I may not have an episode for you, but if something comes up, I'll tweet about it and you can find out that way. I'm sure you won't, you know, suffer too much if, if you don't get an episode. But but if you do, maybe go back, maybe listen to some of the Anna, Anna Subri episode. That's fun. Uh, Nick Clegg, uh, what was quite good. Uh, it was really good. Quite good. It's amazing. Uh, Hesseltine, obviously, got us in the newspaper. So that was pretty exciting. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm running running out of things to say here. I'm just want to try to keep it <laughs> as quick as I can because it's quite a lengthy episode. And I, I think I'm quite down, actually, because it, it's just been such a mind-altering week when you really take into consideration what's happening here. And I think we... And I'm talking about Windrush, obviously, but I think we have a real opportunity as a society to really try and change things here. And it is down to us because clearly the two main parties aren't going to do jack about it, really. They're going to um and ah and shout and kick and scream and maybe something will get done. Maybe I'm just being overly cynical, but I just get that feeling. And I've, I think it's really up to us now to make that connection between Windrush, what happened there, and what's happening with Brexit? Why? What fueled Brexit? What truly fueled Brexit? What really gave the Tory government at that time, the coalition government, Theresa May, that the permission almost to go and do this? And was it permission? I don't know. Was it a public consciousness that said, OK, yeah, all right, we, we want less people in this country and this is how we're going to do it? No, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it happened like that. I think it was more subtle, perhaps. And it's been happening for such a goddamn long time now that that word immigration has been turned into such a, a hated word, put out of so many different kinds of contexts that you you uh, you struggle to to think, actually, how are we going to turn that word into a positive thing? And I think it's just going to be up to, to you and me to just really try and change our own little environments. Maybe that's through social media. Maybe that's becoming more active in marching. I mean, I'm talking about the 23rd of June, obviously, when there's the pro-Remain march, obviously, pro-EU march. I can't wait for that in London. And then, obviously, there's a Windrush march this this um, this Saturday in London. And you can you can there are plenty of Windrush groups out there. So I mean, just get involved. I'm gonna do it, and hopefully, we'll be. I mean, I think I'm gonna. I mean, I'm in danger of regurgitating David Lammy's name to such a degree now that it's going to become kind of a joke but we are still trying to get him on the show and by we I mean me and Rosie and Arlo my two dogs um and I'm I'm hoping that David will 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 come on because I think he's he's a, a really important figure behind all this and someone that garners a lot of respect within all all walks of of life and all communities but yeah so um obviously this goes out just before on the the, the Thursday the 2nd of May uh was it the 3rd it's probably the 3rd uh <laughs> Mark Hamill actually tweeted about um, 3rd. What was it, the 3rd of May? Because obviously May May the 4th 
be with you may the fourth yeah uh star wars fan over here and yeah so the gen the local elections rather the council elections and i wonder how that went i wonder what what happened what went down there whether windrush has woken anybody up to theresa may's tory party uh yeah maybe 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 not maybe this anti-semitism row within the labor party affected things who knows It'll be exciting. I don't know if I'm going to stay up for it. Who knows? Maybe I'll, maybe I will. Maybe I'll get a bout of insomnia. You know, local election insomnia. Wow, that's geek. Local election insomnia. So I wonder what happened. Uh, I can see. Should we make a prediction? I, I'll make a prediction for you. I think the Liberal Democrats will have uh, not stormed back, but made a, a good, strong... A strong comeback, should we say? I, I think they will. I, I, I think that's where the Liberal Democrats have always been really strong on potholes, basically, and Brexit. And I think people are finally realizing that, that there's a connection there. Oh, there's that that party that is completely unified on, um, you know, facing down Brexiteers. Okay, great. Uh, Labour Party. I still think massive amount of Corbyn, Corbynism going on, good or bad. I don't know. Haven't figured that out yet. I'm still kind of on the fence with, with Jezza. Yeah, that could be quite interesting there. So I, I think Labour is basically going to turn the whole of London red. I, I, I think that's going to happen. And the Tories are going to get the shock of their lives. I hope so. I freaking hope so. But anyway, on that note, I'm going to go. And here's the interview. You, you'll, you'll get a lot from it. Grace is a wonderful woman. So just perfect for this um, for this chat. I really, 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 really enjoyed it. So if you feel like sharing it, as always, please feel free to do so. I don't know how you do it. Just do it, you know. And and I like I banged on about the ratings on iTunes last week. Um, yeah, you know, it does help. It does go a long, long way. Obviously, it, it does. And, it, and it's a way of paying me back, if you, if you like, um, for this free interviews that you get every week, roughly every week. Yeah. So if you feel like paying me back, please do so. Uh, uh, you know, a, a review and ratings on iTunes go a long way or recommend it to a friend. So enjoy the show and take care. Really take care of yourself and enjoy the sun that's coming. All right. OK. Bye bye. Then. For now. How did you get into law? Well, one of the reasons to, to, for coming to the bar actually stemmed from um, the plight of people coming to the UK from the Caribbean because um, I understood in the came to understand in the 1980s that those people had come as a result of as a result of having been invited to come to the UK, and I um, also saw the um, treatment that those people were exposed to having arrived, so that they were deprived of reasonable, adequate accommodation, um, employment or adequate employment in terms of their own <clears throat> skills and abilities. Yeah, so and even in 1995? Um, in the, in the, I came to the bar in 1995, but yeah. that was the background, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I understood from the from around about the 80s, uh, I became aware of that happening. In, in the, uh, that I became aware in the 80s that that had happened when people had arrived in the UK in the 50s, 60s and 70s, yeah. etc., be with me yeah no I am I just I'm still I think I'm in one of those positions in my mind where I'm like no but this only happened recently mm. do, do whoa I mean you are you sure you got that right I'm like no Will come on wake up yeah, yeah. it's just sorry it's just yep. uh, it's just this keeps shocking me 
So. Yes, yes, it's um, a new scandal, but certainly not um, a new issue. And of course, because the nature of the scandal, we know that it stems from the um, early, um, the, the, the late forties, early fifties, really, and it's a continuing story. Yeah, yeah, no, a terrifying one. Mm. Wait, I mean, when people say that we needed to rebuild our country, yeah. What I mean specifically is infrastructure. Yeah, it's it's da- war damage. It's years of rationing. This country was in a pretty horrendous horrendous way. Yeah. How are the how are these people greeted from the Caribbean? Well, my experience is that they were not uh, greeted terribly well. <clears throat> so there's an there's an anecdotal story that I um, re- remember someone telling me uh, sometime perhaps in the 80s really that when they had arrived in the 1950s they of course wanted to carry on as as of course normal people and um, get jobs and get employment and um, just one little incident of standing at a bus stop and waiting to go to to work or someplace and the other people um, at the bus stop moved away because they didn't want to stand at a bus stop um, with somebody who was who was black and, and right. that was yeah so it's stories like that that were told to me in the 1980s about what happened in the 1940s and 50s yeah. in particular so that that was what I would call was not a warm welcome and certainly wasn't um, a welcome yeah. I understood that those people felt that they were um, well going to be welcome in in this country and that they certainly were invited that they would be respected and dealt with yeah come and rebuild our country yes you know please come and help us and then perhaps some people just i mean we're judging people obviously back in in those days Mm. by today's standards yes which is still obviously pretty grim when you consider what the commonwealth did to keep us going during the second world war and what happened how many people died I mean, it, it just still completely confounds me. How did, I mean, when you first started hearing about Windrush back in the 80s, yep. 90s, how do you compare it to now? So how, you're, um, how the press, how the general public are coping with coping with this, yeah. how they're dealing with it? It's, it, it the, what, what I felt back in the um, 80s was, was really... Well, I, I was looking... In the, in the 1980s, I was really looking back to what had happened in the 1950s and, and, and 60s. And comparing that, the, 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 the level of racism, um, the level of hostility is not as, a, as openly apparent. I think the level of racism hasn't actually changed very much and the, and the level of hostility hasn't changed very much, but it's much less apparent. Yeah. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, um, why, why do you think that is? I mean, is it, is it we just, we've been... I mean, from my perspective, I would say maybe it's the media, the right-wing media, perhaps, to, not all to blame, but um, governments, lack of education, people not being aware of what... Um, people contributed to this country but where do you think that stems from I mean obviously you've got decades of going through cases and what have you Mm. where do you think that stems from this unwillingness to just get along with people it must stem from a number of sources, mustn't it? Yeah. Um, and the, 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 the media and sections of the media certainly don't help um, with that, it, mm. that must um, be part of the reason why feelings and thoughts and behaviour like that perpetuates I think that must be right but it's also um, to do with um, um, education and, and lack of education 
for which there is no excuse, really, because we live um, in a time when we can access education and, and knowledge. And there's yeah. no reason why we should be ignorant. But unfortunately, there are groups and sections that, that are and, and choose to be, and are unwilling to actually be, be educated. So really a basic question, why do you think governments create legislation like, like hostile environment? Why, why, what is, what's behind that? Yeah, well, the hostile environment is not legislation as such, but certainly it's a policy and certainly affects um, the lives of, of, of individuals. And, and ostensibly, that's the lives of illegal immigrants. That's, that's, the, that's the reason reasoning behind it. Why the government would introduce a policy like that? Well, the, the, the government might well say it's responding to public um, opinion. This is what the public want. But a policy like the hostile environment is one that is short-sighted, one that lacks sufficient um, insight into the pers- people and persons that it, that it is uh, affecting. Yeah. So that I think the idea behind it is, well, this is what the public wants. The public wants a reduction in integration, so this is how we're going to do it. We're going to create a really hostile environment. And how hostile have you seen it, your personal experience? How how hostile has it been for some people? I know we've seen quite a few accounts on mm. on the BBC, Channel 4, but in your own experience. Yeah. Well, I've had an, uh, I've had lots and lots of cases really of people affected um, by it. I don't know if I can give you um, a particular horror story, but there are cases where people have lived, excuse me, in the UK for ten years or, or more without being able to um, work, um, living on um, a few pounds a day, if, if that's if, if that if they can even access that that amount of money. They can't drive, of course. They are restricted in what um, health treatments, health they can get, health benefits they can get. They have difficulties um, <clears throat> obtaining suitable accommodation. They're going to be using, obviously, food banks. They're going to be going to centres um, where they might be able to get clothes for their children and, and things like that. Yeah. That's the consequence of the hostile environment. And when I started to do um, immigration work, there were... I don't. I was going to say there are as many uh, conflicts and wars as they as there are as there are now. And actually, I don't know about that. But there certainly were lots of people fleeing violence um, from around the world coming to the UK. That was in the early nineties, and those people that were seeking asylum and as opposed to being refugees, there's a distinction, of course, between those two groups, were permitted to um, work um, and did important work in the the community. Quite often they were doing work that people who were born and settled here didn't want to do, so they're actually meeting um, a a need. Mm. Um, So I saw no real purpose uh, to have this really hostile environment. Um, You could sort out people's immigration status, but allowing them access to services, and they were contributing, they were paying taxes uh, and contributing to resources that they might use. Many of them didn't use the NHS service, etc. How have we allowed governments to do this? I mean, I presume there's hundreds of cases as well. There must be. Um, <clears throat> I think today Theresa May has said that she's going to uh, call for a review of all of these um, cases, which is at very least the, that ought to happen, because nobody knows how many of these cases there are, uh, how many people might have been removed from the UK, how many people might have been deported, and what effect um, this um, s- scandal, if you like, or, and, or policy has had um, effect has had on, on the children mm. of the Windrush people, for example. 
example. So they, so it's not just <clears throat> those people that came over back in the 50s and 60s. Well, it's, it's like generational yes. distrust. Yes. So how has this, how has this um, happened? How has the government allowed this to happen? It's difficult to, to comprehend. Policy, as espoused by Theresa May back in, I think it was around 2012 or 2010, around about that time, just lacks insight in my view, um, yeah. and at the very least, it, it, there could well be more sinister reasons behind a, a policy like that, but at very least it, it lacks insight because all yeah. that you're, you're saying is we want to reduce the numbers, uh, we want to create a really hostile environment for illegal immigrants, uh, but we're not thinking of other people that might well be affected who are not British or, or even are British but um, are not don't have their papers and those people who, who've never regularised. Yeah, it's, a, it's politics at any... Well, target at any cost, isn't it, really? It's... And maybe the pressure of Murdoch, Dacre, these kind of uh, hobgoblins, like these horrible, nasty people. It, it really is. It's targets at any cost. And what's extraordinary to me is that, obviously, I'm, I was ignorant to this three or four weeks ago, mm. is how many of us what you'd say normal people just mm. going about our daily lives just have no idea how this is so systemic mm. and we just have no idea why how is that happening i mean i'm no i've sort of asked about government how they can let it happen mm. but as a wider public now we mm. know about this yeah well we we as the public need to know our history don't we that that's important history is important not not sections of it and segments of history we need to know all of it and all of the relevant history and if we did know our history we'd know mm. that the people in the caribbean contributed um, enormously to in, within the second world war and actually the first world war yeah um and that after those um, periods they also made an, an enormous and massive and continuing contribution and it's almost incredible that there would be people in the uk who who don't know that they ought to know that and, and should know that it's it's living history it's not even particularly that old really is it but that, that's mind-blowing to mm. me <laughs> But it, this this part of this podcast really is just about me continually having my mind blown. blown. <laughs> yeah, and like, oh, I didn't think of it like that, mm. you know. And and that's fine. I mean, you know, because mm. part of this is is trying to get some understanding of 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 how this all came about. Obviously, the more I mean, when you said earlier that there's going to be a review that yeah. Theresa May's headed, fine, she's given a go ahead. I mean, she was the longest-serving Home Secretary that we've ever had uh, since the dawning of Home Secretaries. Yeah, it was a long time. The, it's only going to come back to her. So this is this is tricky. Or is she just thinking, hell, man, we'll just try and kick this into the long grass. I'll survive like, one more general election. Probably won't. Jeremy Corbyn will come in. And then we'll leave it to another government. What I mean, what can you see really happening here? Any fundamental change? Well, she's certainly struggling, and I think that she made this announcement because she's trying to resist the attempts made by um, the Labour Party to have more clarity and more more um, understanding of the of the the effects of that policy on the Windrush people and yeah. the Windrush generation. So she's she's concerned really about her position um, on, on this. I was informed by someone who is part of the Windrush generation and her view was that 
she didn't feel that Amber Rudd should have resigned or that the or that the, Theresa May should resign. She felt mm-hmm. that apologies had been made and that what needs to happen now is to uh, is understanding of, of what's gone wrong. Yes. Sorry, the way I feel about this is Australian governments uh, apologise about Indigenous people and the way they were, the Aborigines were, were treated, etc. And certain prime ministers of this country have apologised to, to uh, gay people in the past, etc., etc. This is so new that to me, an apology just isn't enough. Mm. It, it's like no, this isn't. Uh, this isn't like yes, you know, like freaking yesteryear, you know, when we were less, you know, when we were more ignorant. Mm less aware of ourselves this is now I know well that's what I was going to remark on in respect to that person I was sorry I jumped in no well you did but that's quite fine because that was my view as well that I was quite surprised I expected her to say that yes um, Amber Rudd should have resigned and yes Theresa May should go this is all her fault But I was quite humbled, I guess, by the um, graciousness of the person, because you and I are not affected by this, but she was affected by that, and her her community, her generation was. And I felt, perhaps it's not typical of all of the people, one one doesn't know, Hmm. but certainly I felt it might be typical of a fairly relatively large group within that community that they were extremely gracious, even though they've been... Well, quite frankly, shafted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so um, I don't quite know what will happen. Certainly, that's the, that's why I put it in that way. That's the very least that yeah. ought to happen is is a review, yeah. is a, a, a detailed analysis of who you know what effect this has had on all these people. I'd say, like, what effect it's had on these people, where how it's been, uh, how it's come about, mm. and then obviously, if they cannot look at the wider issue, i.e the state of our media, certain segments, I'd say, mm. of, of the right-wing media that have driven this. Mm. Not necessarily this particular... I mean, because obviously we're talking about Brexit a lot and yeah. and what have you. But certainly this pernicious attitude, immigration, is a dirt, that's somehow become a dirty word. I don't know if it was around in the 80s. I was a kid. I can't remember. Mm. Certainly not in... I don't know about the 90s. But now it just seems... It's been there yeah. for long enough now for us as a community, well, community, as people that, that are aware of the media, that it is a dirty word. That Brexit, David Lammy talked about it in a rally I went to see him, that it was a, a, a racist, uh, racially motivated um, campaign. And where does that leave us now? It's like, if we are going to have a review, surely it's just going to point back to, well, do you know what? There's systemic shit going on here. There's real problems you know, from the guys with the millions of the, the pounds trying to drive elections, trying to push people over there to that corner, to that corner. How do we tackle that? Do you know what I mean? I mean, as a barrister, you don't, you don't, you know, you can't tackle that. No. You know, you have to deal with the people coming in. Mm. But I don't think that our politicians are equipped to do that. No. I mean, it is, ex- I find it extremely concerning that when we, talk about the term um, immigration that it has um, so many so much of a negative um, connotation and it's obviously the situation now Um, it's difficult to say at what point that things became that way but certainly it's just getting worse and worse all the time that I've been at the bar which as you know is over 20 years um, it has been a dirty word really and I don't see that it has become any 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 less of a dirty word if 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 anything it's getting it's getting worse brexit has not helped that um, situation yeah. because there are a lot of 
uh, there's lots of confusion about what that means um, for individuals in the UK and from people from Europe and people beyond. But it hasn't helped to to sort of understand people's uh, reasons for um, being in the UK, staying in the UK and wanting to come to the UK. Yeah, mm. and good uh, good immigration versus bad immigration. Mm. You know, you have that classic moment when um, uh, Nick Robinson went up to somewhere near Boston in the UK and uh, had a list of all the, I don't know, f- factory workers, truck drivers, coffee um people coffee people people that i don't know baristas yeah (laughs) baristas and 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 talk to this guy and he's like well what kind of immigrants should be allowed into this country and basically he just this guy's like right well yeah they can stay you're not they can stay so basically all these people can stay and then nick robinson's like well who do you want out oh you've got me there yeah you know what's that all about yeah you know? Which is the wrong question, the, the, the wrong sort of analysis to have good and bad immigration. It's a bit like what you mentioned earlier, having quotas and, and numbers and things like that, because it, it's it's very abstract. It doesn't mean anything. We have to look at people as individuals, as human beings, and look at their yeah. backgrounds and and uh, why why they're here, why they want to come here, why they why they want to stay here. We don't really need to know if it's good and bad immigration. Mm. We don't need to know about numbers. Um, we need to look at wider issues about what's happening in their own countries and what uh, responsibility we might have as a, as a British citizens in those countries mm. also. But then, as a cynic, I'm thinking that's a lot of effort. As a politician, I just want to keep my job and I want to have this power and X, Y and Z, very you know broadly speaking, to actually fundamentally address these issues, refugee crisis... That is going to that you're going to need a whole country behind you to sort that out, and clearly, no one's got the app. Not nobody, but there's just not a big enough appetite to sort these problems out. You know, we're having we're having conversations with our foreign aid budget. I mean, how in the name of God in the 21st century are we allowing these conversations to be had in the first place? That should just be like ring fence. Mm. Is it eight seven percent? Yeah. It's a joke. And then we're like, oh, we've got refugees coming to this country. People that want asylum. I wonder why that is, Mm. you know? Well, because something is difficult to achieve, it doesn't really mean that you shouldn't uh, attempt it. And I I think that's my response, really, to to that. I can't say that, well, it's going to be easy. We can all do this in the next couple of weeks. Of course, that can't happen. But we want, if we have any interest in making things better, um, in making immigration something that is... Is 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 um, I was going to use the term manageable, but that's perhaps not the right word. But making immigration um, something that the way we all want it to be, then we need to understand that there's more than one one way to achieve that. Huh. So we're looking at why people are coming and why they want to stay, why they're here, but we need to look at wider issues as well. Even though that is going to be um, a difficult thing, otherwise we're never, we're always going to be having a we're always going to looking looking at the the problem as it uh, or if there is a problem as as it presents itself rather mm. than looking at background to it. Yeah, the root cause of everything, exactly. right? It's like mm. my, I, I pull my hair out. I mean, honestly, this this story particularly has has I don't know why it's hit me so hard. I think it's just a fundamental injustice that clearly isn't just so recent and if it hasn't been so recent why hasn't anything been done about Mm. it and i wanted to talk a little bit about the european union citizens that are going to be living here that lived here for decades and is the government is the government going to come for them they already have they've already said no they're protected 
But that's not primary legislation, that's secondary legislation. So at any point, they can just turn around to any EU citizen and without the, you know, the consent of Parliament and just turn around and go, get out, you mm. know. And I'm terrified about that. Mm. You know, I'm terrified as just a, just a, a human being. Human being. Well, right? we should be terrified because even... We should be terrified about that um, because we, we, we live as a community and the community is made up of a wide range of people from Europe and, and beyond. There are neighbours, there are husbands, there are wives, there are children um, and they, they are, those people are, are, are you know, close to other people within the community. So it's going to affect um, all of us. It's difficult for me to say what the impact might well be on uh, citizens of the European Union as a result of um, the, the Brexit and um, those negotiations. But I think that their situation in the UK is, is somewhat um, precarious and they are going to need to take some steps to try to um, ensure that they have some stability yeah. and settlement. Yeah, yes. yeah, and it's just one of those things where you say to yourself, they really are going to be used as bargaining chips. Like this, this isn't... A, all those things that were bandied around at the beginning of this whole the, the referendum result and EU citizens' rights, etc., etc., were seemingly almost like this kind of not populist from the Remain side, but very catchphrasey. Now it just appears after Windrush. Oh my! Oh my God! Like this is really serious. We've all got to wake the hell up because if we're not careful, this Brexit thing is going to happen so damn quickly, and all this legislation. It better be. It's got to be transparent above board and in a, and in wonderful ship shape condition for us all to give a all right then okay we're going to have Brexit but you know it's crap but the citizens are going to get looked after. Yeah. The chances of something like Windrush happening aren't exactly that far fetched. No, so I think yes, it's a bit of a an eye opener again to say the the least the, the the Windrush thing as to how something that was just below the radar if you like or below the radar for most people has so suddenly appeared above the radar in a very very big way and we can all see the the enormous impact mm. that um, has had on on those people and their their, their friends relatives wider families etc and that it's possible it could happen to um, the eu citizens or certainly groups of those um, people but also other people potentially other other categories of, of people who um, might well have already been affected um, and that's one of the things with the Windrush um, scandal is that um, one, well, I was going to say one or two, but it must be very many people were in detention centres. Um, yeah. And I'm thinking of there was a woman on Radio Four, sorry, Channel Four yesterday who had mm-hmm. been in Yarswood detention centre for nine months. So that it's something that um, has obviously has has been affecting um, people. Mm-hmm. And before this scandal came to light well who knows how much longer she might have had to yes remain remain there but, dis- so. but detention centers are terrifying they're grim they're um, really really grim but we don't why don't we know i've got to i can't get angry <laughs> i'm not getting angry but how are we not know how do we not know about how do we not know about those dirty great buildings that house all these people that even just asylum seekers people or people fleeing war zones that should be we should be looking after because what we like have 5,000 a year oh gosh we're, bro- we're at breaking point it's it's hysterical but we do we do not know about this my hope is that we will take this this energy this enhanced energy and start throwing the light over all these vile corners yeah. of this particular situation of our country yeah. let's face it 
It would be but, good. It would be good if we could, if that happens, um, that we get this wake-up call that um, that is well needed. It's unfortunate that people have had to suffer, not just in detention centres, but in terms of lack of NHS care. We know about that, don't we? Um, so that's that's affecting a person's health. That's you know hardly gets more serious than that. If you might have lost yeah. your life, yeah. So I I feel that it has given those of us that knew about it a wake up call. Those of us that didn't know about it a wake up call, which is good and and the potential um, impact. But I still see, and no doubt you will have done people who have responded very negatively to this i i i I know but you can fill me in well i've only heard it i don't haven't read anything but um some people's view about that is that well they if they're not british they shouldn't be here they're not they and i feel still feel that the, the the negative voices are saying that the windrush people or some of them are illegal because they don't have a british passport but again that goes back to what i was saying about um, ignorance really and i think it, that or yeah. la- lazy why couldn't they just get this documentation mm. like Okay. Yeah. Well, I was going to say yes. Th- th- that's what they're saying about the Windrush people. That perhaps they were lazy, or but but the people that are saying this, that there must be some level of ignorance on on their part because they haven't appreciated that those people didn't need to have those documents. But that's bullshit privilege. That's what that <laughs> is right there. That's a freaking idiot that's never yeah. had any form of understanding yeah. of maybe what it's like to even leave the UK even have a conversation with someone from a, a different background without some prejudice going on in their head. Mm. And then when they're actually forced to have some compassion with these people, they just... They can't. No. 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 So th- so those people, you know, that didn't know about it and they've come to know about it, but still don't get it. Don't get it, even though it's not complicated. Um, it's, it's fairly obvious that you may well be excused, perhaps you shouldn't be excused really, but you may well be excused if you didn't know about it. But if you come to know about it and you come to realise that there were these large groups of people who came to the UK at the invitation, and that's really important, um, and did good work and worked for peanuts and were, were skilled tradespeople but came and worked on building sites and worked as you know train ushers and did yeah. all the important jobs, you know, lowly jobs particularly in the NHS... So once you come to know about that, there is no excuse for continuing ignorance. And that's that's a difficulty that perhaps, uh, certainly you, I know that you have and I, and I have that um, difficulty. I don't understand why there, there are still those negative voices. Yeah. Um, and again, I, I haven't, there's, there's, I don't have direct experience of that. And mm. perhaps people wouldn't voice those opinions to someone like myself. But yeah. so I've heard that through other people. How do you go about compensating these people? Like these, these lies, the people that we've seen on telly, heard on radio how do we go about like even from your perspective getting them in front of you know a judge a jury whatever and and just what what, can you put a number on it can you go (laughs) hit at 50 grand 300 grand a million two million what does it do what do you do i mean how does this even work well that's an that's an interesting question Uh, the government said that there will be compensation, so that, that's all that we know. There's no, as far as I know, no details about that scheme. Yeah. Um, but there will have to be some system um, in place and some criteria to be put in place to to, to compensate people for for loss of job, yeah. loss of loss of job, and perhaps you know, and things like loss of ability to work. That's a really difficult thing to um, try and quantify how much does that cost not being able to work for 20 years or 15 years you didn't have permission but you should have had permission 
And, well, we all know that you can't put a price on your health. And if you've been deprived of um, health treatment and your condition has got worse, how much does that cost? The woman that I mentioned to you earlier where she was saying that she didn't feel like she had wanted Amber Rudd to resign or the uh, or to the Prime Minister to resign, she did say that she felt like, yes, we've got an apology, um, actually we want to be compensated. So she's very clear about that. Yeah. Um, I did feel that that is something that definitely needs to happen, but how, how one goes about it, they will, uh, as I understand it, the, there will be some details forthcoming at some point, and then there will have to be some assessment made as to whether what yeah. is being proposed is reasonable or otherwise. I think the people affected have to have a voice in that, don't they? They have to say, yeah. well, yes, um, t- you know, £5,000 is enough or, or half a million pounds. Like they're, the, they're the ones that are going to have to say that. I mean, but it's, it, I suppose this is where you people like yourself would come in because, yeah. you know, th- I don't know the value. I don't know the value of, of, I mean, I have absolutely no idea how these people, what they must have gone through. But how do you put a value on that? It's almost like, do you know what? Uh, I just I really struggle to, 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 to even think about how to go about healing any of this. Mm. And that's, I think, the healing process for some of us that are more uh, shocked by this, more upset by this in a deep, deep way. How, do, how does the healing process really begin mm. because at the moment it's still just we're fighting it still yeah. you know yeah we're fighting it but these these people are already yes we, we, we are fighting it but the the people that are affected or many of them well they they are continuing to 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 to, to suffer and some of the ways they're suffering us by the, the shame and humility um humiliation of being denied employment, being asked um, for documents when you haven't been asked for 40 years previously and then stopped from getting a service that you had had. And they know what they're doing as well. Like, the government know what they're doing to these people. They know it's going to... Sorry to interrupt you Mm -hmm. again, Mm -hmm. but they they know exactly what they're doing. They know how hard it's going to be for some of these people to find this this documentation. And what about the people that haven't... Like, I I don't know how I'd do all that stuff. I mean, what about someone with a learning disability? Mm. Any of these things, Mm. you know, they don't give a shit about Mm. the vulnerable, but Mm. sorry, carry on. Yeah, some people, for example, if um, you've been married for a long time and you've uh, separated or divorced, but the partner in the marriage was the one that dealt with all of the the, um, official documentations of things. Um, so that you don't have anything at all. They paid the public bills, bills are paid jointly, but always in their name, and so that you don't have. So there are all sorts of problems with um, uh, verifying your um, your stay and your length of residence in the UK. All, all sorts of problems with that. But but I was sort of you know talking about other difficulties, which were more to do with um, you know the the just the, the stress and distress of, of all of this, feeling humiliated. Um, feeling despondent, feeling that you've done what you what you can for this country. You have helped to to to, to build up. You've done some really poor poor low level jobs, mm. and some of those people are in fact back in Jamaica or the Caribbean, having just given up because they felt that well, if if you if you don't care, then I don't care. And they've they've actually gone back. Yeah, the level of humiliation. I, I mean, I'm I don't want to. I don't want to guess at how that must have made people feel. Mm. But I mean, in your walk of life, your mm. business, your your job rather, have you got any indication of the clients you've you've had, mm. how, what they've been through? If you've got any cases, perhaps you could 
tell us about? Well, I mean, it's hard to. It is. To just go. Yeah. Oh right, yeah. You know. <laughs> I know of one uh, lady who, as I say, has has returned, but her she, she will be in her seventies, and her children are actually British and in the UK. And she left because she was she couldn't show her paperwork, and so she was served with a notice to say that she was here. She, you know, she was she was subject to removal. So she she left and went back to a country where she hadn't resided in Jamaica for um, over fifty years, which I, in my view, is potentially could well be dangerous for her because yeah. she's alone and she's not lived in that country. That's not to say that Jamaica necessarily is a is a dangerous country, but when you move somewhere at that sort of age and yeah. you haven't lived there before and you're alone, there is always going to be some level of risk involved in that. Um, and she just felt that she, why why should I stay here if I've been um, given this notice I'm not welcome here I don't want to, to be here so, yeah. so that was someone that was in in my mind really and the children um, from, from, from her point from the the woman's point of view I don't think that she'd really thought um, through her her decision because of course that has implications for coming back to, to the UK to see her own children to see her grandchildren um, the children are uh, irate um, and understandably yeah so there is a very different response really to, in, in those two groups who are all affected the the, the person who is directly affected as well you know if you don't want me I'm just going to go I've, I've, I'm too tired to fight this I you clearly clearly not well Welcome, I'm going to give up. And within that, there's all the humiliation of having to show documents to get things that you're entitled to anyway, whereas the children are just completely outraged. Yeah, yeah. because that, but that's the government's intention, isn't it? To get people to give up, to get people yeah. to a state. That's the system they've developed. Mm. Yeah, it's hostile, but mainly it's just bloody pig-headedness. It's like, Christ, to get through this documentation, you've got to be switched on. You, or you've got to have a friend that's really dedicated who's going to help you out. And not a lot of people have that, mm. those resources, either of themselves or of other people around them. So it is just a case of, we're going to do this. This is how we're going to get them out. But And also other ways is kind of almost putting what they, you know, the government did by putting the power into the hands of landlords and what have you. And, and employees, like the, Amber Rudd said, you know, at her conference speech a couple of years ago, oh, you know, we'll... We'll get businesses to declare how many foreigners are working for them. Jaw hit the floor. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is really happening. Mm. But I mean, when that starts happening, what what was your feeling when that starts mm. happening? When when landlords are like, you know, give me your documents, and then they have a choice between having people from this country living in here that don't have to produce all that documentation, but they but anybody of any foreign background at all whatsoever has to produce this documentation. It's bloody hard to get a hold of. Mm. That's just creating a divide. Divide, right? yeah, and that definitely is part of the hostile um, environment, and it, it is quite a, a shocking state of affairs because lots of us in the immigration legal world view that as um, landlords, teachers, sometimes doctors becoming quasi-immigration officers, in essence, really doing the work of the Home Office and yeah. for no good reason, and facing a criminal penalty in a lot of cases. Landlords will face a penalty if they rent to someone that is not, in, in the government's view, entitled to um, accommodation, yeah. rented accommodation. So um, it's it's a very, very retrograde step, in my view, um, and needs to go. I mean, just, there's just so much that needs unpacking, so I'm undoing. Yeah. But do you think that the Tory government have the capability of doing this? Do you think that they are just too 
ingrained as a party i know that there are segments of that party that are good well-natured people and then also you think if jeremy corbyn comes into it does he have that ability to to i mean i know i'm i'm putting you on the spot here Mm. I know you normally but, interview politicians, don't you, as yeah. opposed to lawyers, but, know, human rights lawyers. Yeah, but it's just, from where you're sat, yeah. who do you think's best place to get to get to the bottom of this, to really try and, yeah, compensate people and, and make sure, fundamentally, change our immigration system so mm. it's just humane and fair? Yeah. Well, I have little confidence that the Tory party have the um, will or the capacity to change the immigration um, system. I think they're very much focused on the perceived public opinion, which isn't always, you know, the the, the, the main the, the view the view of um, the, the the main part of the population. It's the view of those number part of the population that that speaks the loudest and that where their voice is heard quite a lot of the time. And I feel like the Conservative Party is very much um, led um, by that. Mm. So that I don't have any confidence that the immigration system will be um, changed in any way significantly through the um, Conservative Party. Hopeful that it could be um, through Jeremy Corbyn, but as you've indicated, there is a lot of unpacking um, to do of in terms of legislation that's currently in place, policies yeah. that are currently in place, and public opinion and there is a lot of myths out there there's a lot of um, misinformation and then people act on that unfortunately misinformation and things get worse than they are so there is a lot of unpacking to do and it's a very very tall order for Jeremy Corbyn and any government actually yeah well that's it isn't it and I suppose it's in the nature of people whether they want to actually tackle this and whether it just does get kicked down the road you know they're just let's kick that can down there we've got because Brexit Brexit's coming. Yeah. Let's be honest. That's what's that's what the problem is with this whole goddamn thing. Brexit is just it's a it's a plow. Just plows it over everything, even something as big as Windrush and as upsetting. And that's my fear, is is that that's just gonna happen and yeah. we're just gonna be like Do you remember Windrush? Yeah, it was a year yeah. or two ago. Oh, what you, was Windrush? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll be one of those little Wikipedia things. What yeah. was that? Yeah. You know? It will be a, a real sad day if that would if that should happen. Yeah. It could happen. I appreciate because we, we've seen important things disappear in in the past. Um, it's important for people like me to to try to make that um, not happen and to try. The voices are now starting to be heard in the Windrush um, scandal, and it's important for people like me and other people in organisations assisting the lawyers and the courts to try to ensure that those voices don't disappear, don't get wiped out, don't get drowned away. Um, would you think? Obviously, we have a lot of Brexit marches, you mm. know, uh, pro Brexit marches. Do you think something within that? sector in the public's passion and drive that's what we need we need a movement to start here like a real sort of like just harness the whole thing around in immigration of, oh. and, and windrush yeah and get all the communities together yeah and also i was going to say mm. maybe this wouldn't have even happen if we had more black faces in our own government yeah which is <laughs> seriously disturbing yeah you know, our Home Secretary now is the only face of any colour in that whole cabinet. Yeah. So when I talk about systemic problems, and it's almost too big. It's almost, it's not It's not too big, but it mm. almost is. It's yeah. almost like, who's got the balls to take this on? Yeah. And 
in my in, I'm really waffling here <laughs> you're not waffling until I'm understanding I'm following yeah. you yes but it, it just feels like at the nature of the Tory party just incapable of doing this and it, and it would involve a, a drive from the public marches organisation everyone together yeah to really grasp this and recognise that it is about Windrush and it is about Brexit it's yeah. about the together it's about immigration you yeah. know it's, it's almost too big as you say for any government but not too big yes I agree with that entirely and just don't feel as you say there's Sajid Javid now who's in the cabinet but I just don't feel that even if you did have um, communities and groups coming together marching public protest demonstrations petitions I don't really think that that even that would be enough because we, we've seen those things already. Those things are going on. There have been marches for um, Windrush and certainly for and you know for, for immigration and uh, and really that goes for sort of anti-racist you know organisations and views. They've they've been ca- campaigning and petitioning for for a long time and we don't really see if anything we see the the, the Tory party becoming more and more entrenched really in 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 the way that they respond to that unfortunately. Yeah. So I don't really feel that they that they feel that's the, the road to go down. They're fairly um, committed to... Well, I was going to say the hostile environment, and, of course, um, Sajid Javid is trying to move away from He's that. Cha- they've changed it. Compli- compliance, 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 I think, yes. Yes, hell. I don't know God. what that... <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that means. Yeah. Um, but we, we'll, we'll see, soon see. It's just spin bollocks, isn't it? Well, it is. You know. um, it is. Um, we want to see fairness, don't we? Yeah. We want people to be treated with dignity and honesty. We want to, to recognise their contributions. We want to recognise their humanity and our own humanity. We don't want hostile environment or what did you say it was called? A compliance. Compliant, yeah. yeah we, compliance. we don't want spin and terms. That doesn't hmm. mean anything. Well, this is exactly it. This is all bullshit. It doesn't mean anything. This is what I think. This is what really gets to me. What really angers me. It's, it is all bollocks. Mm. It is all just. It, it's kicking the can down the road, and it doesn't. It's empty. It's mm. all empty. We know Theresa May doesn't mean any of this. When she says sorry, she just means shit. I've got caught out. That's what she means. <laughs> yeah. It's not like oh, we're going to fix this. I'm, mm. I've suddenly had a change of heart. I love. I love immigrants, mm. and I love the history of this country. Sorry, but if you did, it, it goes against the very nature of your of your. Tory party sorry I'm really going for it again (laughs) well I mean that that was in in response to what I was saying about the um, the the new environment that's compliant environment that is proposed because as you say it it, it doesn't really mean anything and that's that's why I say that I'm not really uh, um, convinced that the Tory party can really turn things around or that they really want to turn things around they want to uh, manage this um, blow up that that has come now the the Windrush manage that as best as we can obviously focus on Brexit but they want to keep what they see as the, the public voice keep that on side um, I'm not really convinced that the, most of the public are anti-immigration um, at all I'm not convinced about I that I don't think they are I don't think that's right I think most people understand that we need immigration to run yeah. this country like we did back in the 40s and 50s yeah, I always have done yeah yeah so so no I don't don't have any confidence that that's going to change through the Tory party and just hopeful that it might change through another party yeah. but I, I but I appreciate also that there's a lot to do a lot to change yeah mm. well we you've been really generous we've got like pretty long chat here oh. um i should we end on a positive note yeah what can you give us a positive uh like example of the of, of some work you've done that's left someone with a smile 
Um, You'll have to sit forward, oh, though. Sorry, yeah, sorry. It's microphone discipline. Trying <laughs> <laughs> to relax. Um, positive note. I... You, you said earlier it's very difficult to pick a case out, and it is difficult to pick a case out, but I feel very positive about the, the work that I do. I feel that it's a struggle, I have to say, and I appreciate that's not um, a positive thing to say, but the reason why struggling can turn into a positive thing is because I have had seen lots of good outcomes in, in cases where people have been in the wilderness. They haven't had uh, leave to remain They've um, had children who have gone to school, who are at school, who can't go on school trips and they have to lie, make up a story to their friends because they can't travel because they don't have any documents, um, which is hard as a 15-year-old, a 14-year-old, and you can't travel and all your friends are going wherever they're going. God, sorry, but how does that affect your mind going forward into grown-up life? Sorry. It's not good. God. It's not good, but it, but you asked me for a positive note, and I know yeah. that sounds very negative, <laughs> but it is good when they get their stay, yeah. when they achieve something, albeit that they've had to go through these terrible things. I haven't been able to stop that from happening, but I have been, uh, in the past, but I have been able to stop it from continuing, and that's amazing. Yeah. And there are many, many hundreds of clients that I've been able to assist in that way, and my colleagues have also done the same thing, and people often ask me, you know, do you enjoy your work? And you know, I sometimes struggle to answer that question, but the, the the right question to ask me is, do I find it fulfilling? And that's definitely an easy one to answer because I definitely do for yeah. for those reasons. So, well, that's yeah. great. <laughs> Wonderful. You find your job fulfilling. What a great... It is. It's great for that reason, yeah. because when you get those results, there's hardly anything better. Yeah. Well, that's a great note to end on. Fantastic. Um, you can say goodbye to everyone if you like. Well, I will. Um, thank you for listening. I hope um, you've got one, two things from this uh, interview, if nothing else. Definitely. Thanks so much for your time. Not at all. You're very welcome. That was wonderful. Just like children sleep